What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, what I want to do is give you a race recap from Ironman Des Moines, which is my second full Ironman, which I completed just a few days ago. And so what I want to do in this episode is walk you through uh, my you know, my mindset heading into it, my goals, and then walk you through kind of what happened on the swim, the bike and the run and share a few strategies that helped me get through this race because it was grueling. So first, I am going to roll the trailer and then we're going to get into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back. So just as a reminder, um, I completed Ironman Des Moines on Sunday, and this was kind of like my second big endurance challenge of the year, with my first challenge being the 4x4x48 challenge. And I had been training for this for many months and kind of going into it, even before I had signed up for this Ironman challenge, one of my biggest fears was like, would I even have time for this? Um, because the last time I did an Ironman uh, was five years ago. I didn't have kids. I didn't have this podcast. I, you know, just had a lot more time. And so even when before I had thought about signing up for it, that was my biggest fear. So heading heading into the training part of it. And as I got closer to the actual race, I started to really identify like what were my goals. And, you know, my first goal is was really just to finish the race. Um, my second goal was to experiment in training and try and complete this race while training less, while spending less hours um, out there, because, you know, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice time with my family for training. I definitely want to get my training in and I try and do it early in the mornings uh, while everybody is asleep, but I didn't want to spend six or seven hours on a Saturday or, you know, three or four hours on a Sunday training when some of that time could be spent with family. So, you know, my second goal was to be able to complete it and experiment in training by, you know, getting my body and my mind prepared for it on less training. And then kind of a third stretch goal was to beat my previous time. My previous time was 12 hours and 10 minutes. And um, I'm just going to go ahead, go ahead and say it. I didn't, I didn't achieve that goal, but uh, that's okay. And so those were kind of my three primary goals. And when I was getting closer to the race, when I was thinking about how I wanted to show up, how I wanted to feel, I really just wanted to be grateful. Uh, to be out there. I really wanted to just be positive and bring positive energy. And I wanted to also um, help one other person uh, finish. And this is because in some of my previous races, in the race that I did last year in, in Des Moines, 
I cramped up really bad on the run and somebody stopped, uh, gave me salt and helped me keep going. And so ever since then, I've carried extra salt tablets and I did it in my last race uh, last year. I did it in this race this year of helping other people finish. So those were kind of my goals leading into this race. And then, um, you know, kind of heading into the weekend, I got all my stuff together. I was a little nervous, um, got all of the logistics taken care of, but eventually we got there. And uh, the day before, I was just really relaxed. Um, I was pretty calm and just kind of goofy. Um, I was there with Emily. Uh, she was there kind of scoping out the bike course with me, the swim course, and a little bit of the run. But she just kept saying, like, you just seem really relaxed. And I think that was just because whenever you do something once and then you go tempt it again, you kind of know the path to success. You kind of know what uh, what it's, you know, what what's in front of you. And I think that gave me a little bit of calm. Uh, it gave me a little bit of confidence. But, uh, you know, no matter what, you know, how confident you are, or how much how well prepared you really are, when it comes to an Ironman, there are going to be things that go wrong. And there definitely were with this day. So that's just a little bit about kind of my goals heading into it, how I felt uh, the day before. And um, now let's get into the swim. So I jump into the water and get started with the swim. And the the first probably 10 to 15 minutes, I didn't feel that great. It kind of took me a little bit of time to just kind of get into uh, the flow of things. There's typically a little bit of congestion early in uh, in the race, but I just kind of started to really try and take it easy. And I, I didn't train a lot on the swim in training. And so I was just kind of trying to get through the swim. And my expectation was it would take me anywhere from in between a, an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes into the swim. But I'm getting started in the first 10 or 15 minutes. I'm kind of like, oh, I just don't feel I don't feel great. Maybe it's not uh, maybe it's not my day. But after about 15 minutes of just kind of easy, you know, focused on uh, my stroke and sighting, I kind of started to settle in. And eventually, once I settled in, I started to get really comfortable. And uh, the course was a two loop swim course. And after one of the loops, you actually get out of the water, walk across a peninsula, uh, take about 80 steps and get back into the water. So mentally, I knew that I could break down the overall swim into two loops. And so as I had kind of started to get going, I started to get comfortable. I started approaching the uh, peninsula and I was going almost like so fast that I felt like, wow, I could set a PR for this. And it's just kind of funny observing your mind in a race like this where, you know, the first 10 to 15 minutes, I'm like, I don't even feel that good. And then after 15 minutes, I'm like, whoa, I feel amazing. I'm flying. So I got through the first loop, get out of the water, walk, kind of jog 80 steps. Um, that was actually a mistake because then my heart rate uh, was elevated and then I had to get back into the water. So I learned 
all right, you don't need to run or jog 80 steps uh, when you need to get back into the water. But I got back into the water. And then on that second loop, I was kind of finding a rhythm to the point where I started to like recognize that my mind started getting a little bored. And when you get bored during a swim, it was an interesting feeling, but my mind just started to wander. I started thinking about random things, but every single time my mind started to wander, I would realize that something would kind of go a little bit wrong. So I would, my mind would start to wander and then I would look up after my sighting and I would realize I was like a zigzagging and I wasn't swimming very straight or my mind would start to wander and then I would get kind of kicked uh, in the the face or kicked. Uh, my feet would get hit. So it was just almost like a little reminder to be like, all right, like, don't let your mind wander, stay present. And so on that second loop, that was really what I was trying to focus on. And the way that I tried to stay present was I would just count one, two, three, four, and then I would breathe and I would sight at the same time to try and make sure that I was swimming straight. And I just kept coming back and I just counted one, two, three, four, like for the whole second loop. And once I got through that second loop, got across the finish line, I realized that I uh, did actually set a PR in the swim and I finished in about one hour and 19 minutes and 30 seconds. So I beat my previous time by about 30 seconds. And that was a big confidence boost for me during this race. Because when you start off with a good swim, you start off with a PR, you know, that carries over into the bike. So I get through the transition, I hop on my bike, and I start biking. And the first part of it, I was very intentional. I was like, I just don't want to come out too fast because I had made that mistake last year where I came out super fast and ended up uh, really struggling on the run. So that was in the back of my mind where I was like, okay, try and take it easy, try and take it easy, try and take it easy. But the endorphins, the excitement, kind of the, the very flat course at the beginning, it was hard to uh, restrain myself from doing that. So really, you know, the first part of the bike, I was going pretty fast. And I think I averaged maybe 19 miles an hour, the first uh, 20 miles. Um, and that was just because I was feeling really good. Now, this bike course was a one loop bike course, which was considered rolling by Ironman, but it has around 4,000 feet of elevation gain. And I had driven the first 20 to 30 miles of the bike course um, the day before. And I just, you know, when you're driving it, it really doesn't feel that bad. Um, but once you're biking it, it's a lot more real. But anyways, the first 20 miles, I'm feeling really good and I'm flying. Now, the one thing that was interesting was uh, the conditions on race day were brutal. It was 90, probably 90 to 95, um, you know, 95 degrees, excuse me. And it was so hot. It was so humid that the first part of the bike, I was so thirsty that I was drinking a lot more than I normally do. And typically I aim for around 20 ounces um, per hour. And just because of how hot it was and humid it was, I was drinking around 30 ounces per hour. And I just kind of, I was drinking 30 ounces per hour. I was averaging around 19 miles per hour on the bike and I just felt good. So I kept doing that. 
But I think as I'm looking back on it, this would likely cause some of my issues that I experienced later on. And so we're about, you know, 20 miles or 40 miles into it. And every time I experienced some of these big, long rolling hills, I almost started laughing because it was so much fun. Uh, and I was in a good mood and I was positive to where you could see these long rolling hills where you go and you um, decline and or you descend down and you're just flying and you're not even really uh, having to pedal, you know, too much. And then you kind of carry that momentum into the uphills and it's really fun. And uh, that was really like the first half of the bike course. You know, it was 20 miles in, I was feeling good. 40 miles in, I was feeling good. About 40 to 60, I started to decline a little bit, but I was still feeling good. And so um, another thing to mention with the bike course is what, what I had told myself was from looking at the course, the first half of the course is harder than the second half of the course. So as I'm like 60 miles in, I felt pretty good. I had a good uh, miles per hour kind of average. And I thought if I can maintain this and if the second half of the bike course is easier from an elevation game perspective, which is what it looked like on the court on uh, the map that they had, then I'm going to set a PR and I might be able to get off of my bike in less than six hours or uh, even faster than that. I started doing all this math in my head uh, in the first half, you know, first 20 or 40 miles. And I'm like, I'm going to set a PR. And again, it's interesting to observe your mind on race day. So I decided to fill up my water bottles around mile 45 and uh, had a few small issues with just getting uh, my infinite nutrition, which is my powder that I use um, into the bottles. Uh, but I got through it, get to mile 60, start to turn around on the first part of the loop and bam, that's when I start to get hit with a headwind. And at about mile 60 is where I remember the headwind starting to really affect me. And so at that point, I'm, I've been biking for about three hours. Uh, I'm drinking a lot. The heat, the humidity is really grueling. And then you get hit with some wind. And it was, uh, it was tough because I, was, I went from such a high mentally to now going a lot slower than I was the first half of the bike and having to really just push through. So the second half of this bike course was really tough. And, you know, probably mile 80 to 85 is where I really probably reached my lowest moment. And this is all just because I had, you know, I had started off so strong. I felt like the second half was going to be easier than the first, but then I didn't expect the fatigue that I would have, the wind that I would have, and how tough the hills would really be on the second half of the bike course. And, you know, in the first half of the bike course, I would see these hills and I would be laughing. I would be smiling because I would think, oh, this is so much fun. But then you get to mile 80 and you are just, your legs are tired. Your body is tired. The wind is hard. And every time I would see a hill, I would just drop. I was just like, oh, seriously, another one? It felt like every five or 10 miles, there was another hill to climb, another uh, hill to try and climb up. And it was just so much. And I remember at mile like 85 was the first time that I had the thought of like, 
I honestly don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. And that is typically a sign to me when you have those really negative low moments that you need to eat something, you need to drink something, and you need to break things down. And so that's exactly what I did. I started probably at mile, you know, 70 or so. I started just breaking it down into five mile uh, increments. So instead of, you know, go, worrying about mile 112, I would break it down from mile 70 to just say, all right, let's get to 75. Okay, once I get to 75, that's awesome. I would celebrate that. Let's get to mile 80. And then 80 to 85, 85 to 90, 90 to 95, and so on, up until I finished the race or finished the, the bike portion. Now, one other thing that was a mental tool that I had to use that I've used in other races where I just really try and break things down. And it's the only way to deal with that overwhelm and that negative voice of like, oh, I don't know if I can finish. But the other thing that I had, the other adjustment that I had to make was with my nutrition. Now, I used Infinite Nutrition, which is like a personalized um, kind of powder uh, that you just add to your water bottles. But it was so much. I was drinking 30, basically 30 ounces an hour for five hours. And after that, I just started, my stomach just started feeling a little like sick of it, almost to the point where it was like ready to like just, you know, reject it. And so I, I had to uh, adjust and instead of drinking more of the infinite, I had to start drinking Gatorade and I switched to Gatorade and it was just so nice to just switch it up and drink something else. So made a little adjustment there with the nutrition. But again, towards the end, I was just like so dead and ready to get off of the bike. But in the back of my mind, I was, you know, towards the end of the bike, I'm always thinking like, how the heck am I going to be able to run a marathon after this if I'm in such a low state, if I'm just so exhausted? But I got through the bike and then it was time for the run. So I get through the second transition and I start running. And typically the first few minutes of the run off of the bike, I go at a much slower pace and it's really just kind of a test to see, all right, how does my body feel and how do my legs feel? And I was happily surprised that in the first few minutes of the run, I actually felt pretty good. And I felt like, oh, okay, like I, I feel pretty strong. And so I started, you know, taking off on uh, the run and I was able to kind of keep a really steady, slow pace the first few miles. And at this point, the heat and humidity were real. And again, you know, it was in the 90s. It was just so brutal. And with that heat and that humidity, my plan was to run from aid station to aid station and just walk the aid stations to refuel, get some Gatorade and get uh, the gels and any other nutrition that I needed. And so the first kind of few miles, I was able to, you know, just hold a steady pace and going from one mile to the next. But I did that for the first maybe five or six or seven miles. And as I was doing that, I realized that just a lot of people were walking around me. And I'm just like, why are all these people walking? And I'm just kind of jogging and having a good time and, you know, steady and consistent and moving forward. And so I got to see my family at around mile eight. And that was, oh, that's always just a huge uh, positive 
kind of boost. I got to see the girls. I got to see Emily and I got to see uh, my parents and my friend Shaw. And it's always just such a positive boost to help you kind of keep going. And so I saw them and uh, I forgot to explain this, but the run course was actually a three loop course and it was mostly flat. And so the first loop, I got it done and it felt pretty good. But then around mile nine, as I'm finishing up the first loop and heading to start off my second loop is when I started to feel a little like off. And I don't know exactly what it was, but I just felt like my body was um, a little a little nauseous. And so I started walking at around mile nine. And I had walked uh, from one aid station to the other, and I get to this cool kind of shaded area, and that's when I feel it. And I basically just felt all of the liquids and everything that I had been basically chugging uh, and drinking throughout the day just came up, and I just puked. Um, and it was a lot of liquid. I would guess it was just like 20 or 30 ounces that just came out of me like crazy. And so once that happened, I knew it was on. And uh, I knew that it was going to be a, a game of troubleshooting, a game of experimentation and trying to figure out like how the heck am I going to get this done? And so since I had kind of puked up a lot of the Gatorade endurance that I was drinking, a lot of the infinite, I knew that I needed salt, so I took some salt tabs, and then I tried to experiment with other uh, other drinks that they had. So I drank some Coke, and I drank some Red Bull, and I kept going, and I tried to walk um, to the next aid station, but halfway through that aid station, I felt everything come up again, and my body rejected that as well. And so at this point, I had puked twice, and both of the times was on liquids. And so I realized, all right, if liquids are not working out, I'm going to need to try something else. And I went to solid foods, which was different, which was completely different than what I had trained for. But in these situations, you got to like experiment. And I just took a bunch of pretzels and ate the pretzels. And then I ended up just leaving a bunch of them kind of in my mouth uh, as a big like a big wad of pretzels to just try and like suck on them as I was running so that I could get some salt, I could get some carbs and keep going. And so there there was this period from like mile nine to mile 13 that was really, really tough. And that was just a walking, you know, trying to like push forward, trying to like deal with the mental like disappointment of this happening um, because I really wanted to have a strong run. And from the first eight miles, I felt pretty good, but it was on, it was time to like really try and push through. And in those moments, like I started, started to think about like how, not only like, how did I want to start this race, but how did I want to finish it? And this was something that Jesse Itzler has, has really preached where everybody wants to ask people like, Oh, how did you start your company? How did you start your podcast? How did you start, you know, your business or whatever it is? But a lot of people don't talk about like, how do you finish it? And you really like, it really comes down to how do you finish the race? How do you finish what you start? And I didn't want to walk the whole way. Uh, I didn't want to walk because when I started walking, it was mile nine. So I didn't want to walk 17 miles. I started calculating like that would take me you know, forever. And um, I would have really been disappointed if I would have just walked 
the whole way. But I gave myself a little period of time to walk. And then it became, how can I get my body to start running again? Because it's it's actually really hard once you start walking to start running again. And you kind of need to play these mental games with yourself. And so what I did is I have uh, I read the five second rule by Mel Robbins uh, recently. And one of the things that she uses to help her get out of bed is she counts down from five, four, three, two, one, and then she goes and she gets up. And so I was like, all right, let me just try this out. As I'm walking, I'm like, okay, like at the next aid station, I'm going to start running. And I tried that, but that would just take a little bit uh, too long of a time. Or I would look down at my watch and I would say, okay, in 30 seconds, I'm going to start running. And eventually I'd get to 30 seconds and I wouldn't want to do it. And so I would just keep walking. So eventually I just said, all right, in five seconds, we're going to run. I would go five, four, three, two, one, run. And I would force myself to run. And uh, I would run from one aid station to the next and then walk. And I was able to, using this strategy and also like using my mantra of just every step and every breath, every step and every breath, uh, I'm getting stronger and stronger. I was able to run for probably another five or six miles. And I was really happy with the way that I responded to that and the way that I was able to kind of keep pushing. And so from that point, I was at uh, maybe mile 17 or 18 after being able to run. I'd finished the second loop and I had one more loop to go. And again, I just really felt super fatigued from the heat and the humidity. And from that point, it just became a run, a jog, a walk, a run, a jog, a walk, a run, a jog, a walk. Just keep moving forward as, as much as I possibly could until I got towards uh, the end. And, you know, once you get into the mile 20 uh, to 23 range, that's where you just really start to think about finishing. And you're like, I am just so close. There's no way that I'm not going to finish this race. And uh, I got super close, got towards uh, the red carpet and the finish line. And I had to, I got to have a very special moment uh, with my dad who was holding uh, my daughter, Ruby. Um, they were kind of right towards the beginning of the red carpet. I stopped. Uh, I saw them, you know, kind of gave my dad a big hug, gave Ruby a big kiss, uh, started running down the red carpet. And I saw my mom with Ellie and, uh, you know, got to give got to give them a hug and a kiss. And, uh, you know, when you're just on that red carpet, you're running, people are cheering for you. You can hear the announcer. It is just the best feeling in the world. And it felt even better this time because of those struggles that I went through, because of all of the things that didn't go my way. And when you push through, when you overcome adversity, when you respond, when you really try and finish strong, like I tried, I really tried to finish strong, then it feels good because of your effort. And so I crossed the finish line and my final time was around 13 hours and 51 minutes, which is almost two hours slower than what I was hoping it could be or what I even thought it could be at the first half of the bike. So this race was one of the hardest races that I've ever done because of the conditions. And it did not go the way that I had wanted it to go or the way that I had thought it would go 
in my head, but there's still a lot of positives and a lot of good learnings and takeaways that I'm taking from this. Um, so, you know, from a swim, I finished that in one hour and 19 minutes. Uh, that was a, a personal record for me. The bike, I finished it in six hours and 47 minutes. I think I averaged uh, 16.6 miles per hour. I was hoping to average 17 or 18. So that was not uh, exactly what I wanted, uh, but it was a tough bike course, tough conditions. And then obviously the run was not at all what I wanted with having to walk and the nutrition and the issues that I had. I think I finished that in five hours in 25 minutes. But at the end of this race, crossing the finish line, having that moment of like, I did it. And that moment of really putting yourself out there, testing myself, seeing what I'm capable of, that is what it's all about. And, uh, you know, I was just so grateful for everybody for reaching out to me, texting me, tracking me uh, to friends and family for reaching out to uh, my wife, Emily, to my daughters, to my parents for being there. And it was an amazing experience. And so I just want this type of experience for as many people as possible. I really want everybody to experience the benefits of endurance and the transformation that occurs when you commit to something big. So this was my race recap for Des Moines. But if you have any sort of desire to take on a big challenge like this, uh, reach out to me and let's make it happen. I can put together a plan for you. I can be that coach for you to share experience, uh, to share uh, wins, to share mistakes that I've made, and to help you reach your goals. And then also translate that into every area of your life. So that was the race recap. I'm going to do another episode kind of talking about some of the main lessons that I learned and how I'm going to apply that. But for now, that's what I got. So thanks everybody for listening. I'll talk to you all later.